Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, and it's another edition of the Beast of the East podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network and Willis Digital Media. I'm your host, Corey Burton. Joining me, the man, the myth, and the legend. You're damn right. It's Steve Willis. That's Steve. right. I'm, I'm pinch hitting for Craig and going to try to fill his shoes, so to speak, and talk a little bit about Eastern Division football. And perhaps we could have some fun and talk a little expansion. There's a lot of stuff we can do tonight. Wait, we haven't talked expansion in a long time. No, not at all. This is a completely new thing for us. Wait, we're the SEC's expanding? Yeah. <laughs> when did we add Arkansas? 1992, no, actually. And yeah. which, to be honest, we could talk about this just starting out a little bit. But when um, South Carolina and Arkansas came in, the way that they set that up, they probably did the most actual damage to um, traditional rivalries and things like that. Everybody talks like this Texas and Oklahoma move is all about the money, but that 1992 move was completely bungled by leadership and you lost games like um, Georgia, Alabama, Alabama um, Auburn and Florida, Auburn and Tennessee. Um, Arkansas had no real rivalry. They tried to shoehorn the LSU game in. Um, it's, it's an interesting scenario, but I look back 30 years ago at the bungling, and this could be a chance to make it right with all those rivalries coming back, perhaps at only at the expense of Alabama and LSU. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, man. Uh, this whole expansion thing is, is, is getting crazy. But we are presented by betonline.ag. Uh, this, the summer is, uh, well – it's coming to a close, I should say. I say summer's coming to a close, not officially. That ends in September. But I consider the start of school the end of summer. So um, the Olympics are still going on. There's still plenty of good odds. Um, but you can, uh, you know, you have live bets during games, futures. Who do you think will win a championship? Bet online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Steve, if you like the online casino, they have just about any game you could ever play. Do you like casinos? I like casinos. I like winning at casinos too. What's your what's your game of choice? Um, I generally like to play the slots and occasionally some blackjack. Well, they have daily blackjack tournaments and they have all the slot machines you could ever ever want. So, um, Steve, you know what you should do, and what all of our listeners should do is head to the go to the website today or use your mobile device. It really doesn't matter to join and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before that next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Steve, I was looking at some of the odds. They already have they already have odds, early odds for the 2021-2022 NBA championship. The Lakers are three to one odds. They are the odds on favorite. Um, your Phoenix Suns are 14 to 1. And uh Jeb's Golden State Warriors are nine to one. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. Also, if the Lakers get Russell Westbrook, it's basically over anyway, right? Yeah, and I think they got him. Yeah, they got him. That's done deal now. I just yeah, saw I um, so. a couple of tweets come through the timeline that he was looking to go to L.A. Yeah, so we should change this to best of the Western Conference? Yeah, so, of the NBA. Yeah, of the NBA. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 
um, that's uh, that's your NBA news for today. Yeah. Um, so I uh, got a got an action packed show here on Beast of the East. Thank you for filling in. Uh, Craig is uh, Craig has succumbed to that summer summer cold deal that's going on. That was a delayed reaction from everybody masking up this winter. So, so the cold just kind of sat back and, and lurked and then now is attacking everybody. So I feel like it's the middle of January right now, the way my sinuses feel. So uh, it's fun. Nonetheless, uh, got a good practice in today too, as well, but uh, lots of storyline, Steve, uh, we haven't talked expansion in a while. Um, apparently there's some news there. Yeah, seriously. Uh, there's some rumors happening that uh, the SEC might not be done. Have you heard about this Clemson and Florida State deal? I am, and I um, on that story, I'm waiting to see if any other source picks it up because with Texas and Oklahoma, reporters were falling all over themselves to add to the story. Um, yeah. So I usually listen for two or three sources on expansion before I start to take it seriously. I think it's up to about um, two right now, one and a half maybe, but it's kind of interesting. They're not going to admit reaching out. Clemson and Florida State are not going to admit to anybody. They're going to claim the story is false and everything's going on. Um, because in doing going to the SEC would put the ACC in a little bit of peril themselves. So it will be interesting to see exactly how this shapes up down the line and what actually happens because Clemson and Florida State are great fits for the SEC. Florida State has been for 25, 30 years at this point. And, I mean, I'd like to see both of those teams come in. Although, if they come in, you you don't move Alabama and Auburn over, um, or you might move just Missouri over, and those two go in, and the rivalry problem still exists. Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, there's, you know, anytime you add and add and add and add and add, there's always going to be some rivalries that get disrupted. I mean, if you take away permanent matchups, there's going to be some rivalries that get disrupted and not played every single year. So um, to me, I don't think that really matters at this point. I think you just need to get the best product you can possibly get um, on the field and, and across the TV screens and and just worry about the other stuff later. And, and uh, you know, I think it would be a great move. Um, let's say let's just say hypothetically it does happen. Honestly, I, I would love that. I would love to see Florida State in the SEC. I would love to see what they could do um, year in and year out against Florida if they do, in fact, uh, stick with the divisions. You think you think they would have to go with pods at that point, even though even though I'm not really in favor of the pods. I, I think if they added, they got to 18 teams, they would almost have to. But well, there's um, no way to do it. The only way you can do pods is if they're equally distributed. So it's 16, and then 20 is the magic number. So if Florida State and Clemson could truly come in, the only solution is pods, and you've got to get to 20. So then you're looking for North Carolina. You're looking at Virginia or Virginia Tech and North Carolina State, somewhere in that footprint to fill in um, this gap, and you have four or five team pods, and let's go. Let's just go coast to coast and get uh, get Arizona State and or no, get the UCLA and USC, and just let's just cover all time zones here. Man, people make that joke all the time, but I remember a couple of years ago, Ole Miss had a road game at Cal, and that damn thing almost kicked off at 11 o'clock at night. And you went to bed at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and I just (laughs) – just the fan in me, I almost fell asleep twice in the middle of the game. Ole Miss ended up losing that game because of the Phil Longo experience, and – 
remember that. It, yeah, it, it was it was just a pain. So that is what's giving me pause when it comes to like USC and UCLA coming in because that Western time zone, you, we just don't want any of it. Now the Mountain time zone, we could get away with if Colorado for some reason wanted to go or yeah, come come on, Buffs. Yeah, 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 something like that. You could do one hour both ways. You know, the worst one would be like South Carolina going to Colorado, and that's a two-hour time shift. But that third hour, that's just a massive West Coast. Because if you're playing Pac-12 after dark, it's no joke if it's your team. It's fun to watch when somebody else's team is playing. It's great. What, what about uh, what about Pac-12 at brunch? I, I, yeah, like if, if you have a game on the West Coast and all of a sudden it's a 11 o'clock kickoff central, that's a 9 o'clock West Coast kickoff. Yeah, USC that would be a desirable and, thing? USC and, <laughs> USC and Arizona State tried that uh, this past season. I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you watched that game. It was uh, Pac-12 at brunch, but it was pretty funny. It was pretty good. It was kind of a kind of a very sloppy game. It took took them a while to wake up, but um, back to the back to the topic at hand, Clemson and Florida State. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, Florida State's a rebuilding program right now. Um, surprising to say, but they're gonna they're gonna get it right under Norvell, I think, eventually. Um, and I think he's the right choice. But that'd be cool. Like you, you would you would get you would get the two two of the big three uh, in Florida in the conference. You would get uh, South Carolina and Clemson together in the same conference. And of course, Georgia and Clemson in the eighties had a pretty decent rivalry. So uh, you, you renew that one possibly uh, as mm-hmm. a, as an Eastern division opponent, a lot of old school Georgia fans will tell you that Clemson is one of the bigger rivals, but um, that would be cool. That, that would be, I would welcome that and then possibly welcome uh, a 10th and a, uh, or a ninth and 10th team, I should say uh, in there and probably, you know, go after North Carolina uh, for basketball and academics and go after, like Virginia or Virginia Tech for, for that D.C. market, and let's just cover the entire – let's just blanket the entire Southeast. Let the other ACC teams go to the American screw um, and, and and go from there. Well, at that point, um, if, you know, Clemson and Florida State left, you know, you still would have Miami in that league. You still would have North Carolina. You still would have some blue bloods potentially. So you might see a situation where they peel for the Big 12 instead of the American – they become the fishing conference, um, so to speak, rather than the team that we're just trying to get them all down in the G5 or create some kind of hybrid with the Power Six or whatever they called it. And you could take something like that and rebuild a reasonable facsimile of what's happening now. So you're looking at a five-team power conference or autonomous five or however you want to put it, and a lot of the same plans could still happen. Now, if the Big 12 folds and, are, and just goes to the AAC, and now all of a sudden you have a Power 4. That There's no way for the American to move up into the power conferences. They're going to need help from somebody, I think. They would need to merge probably with the ACC or the or the Pac-12. So all those Big 12 schools are going to have to go somewhere. Um, you know, I, I think, honestly, the ACC would go after Memphis – uh, they'd probably go after Memphis and UCF to, to kind of replace those teams. They would, they would go, they might even go after Cincinnati. I mean, hell they go all the way up the Eastern seaboard. So that's not out of the realm of possibility that Cincinnati couldn't join the, the ACC. So um, that would be interesting if that happened to see 
if the ACC pilfered uh, some of the Big 12 and some of the best of the American and maybe in some of the best of the, the Conference USA. Maybe they go get Georgia Southern, give Georgia Tech a uh, natural rival. So well, that that reminds me there. What I, I've been thinking about on this expansion is this expansion is different than the 20, 2010 expansion to where that was all about cable subscriptions and having a large footprint inside the state. So the SEC only wanted, you know, if they had one team in a state, they could charge the whole state the full rate. And then if you didn't have a team in that state, they could charge a little amount. But that's not really with the cord cutting what they're doing now. It's all about how many people can you get with streaming um, and things like that. And you saw with Texas coming in, that gentleman's agreement has gone kind of by the wayside with Clemson and Florida State. That would be two teams in that state for both of them. It would go by the wayside. That brings up the logical question. Would you make another run at Georgia Tech? And would you make a run at Louisville? And that would get all the Power Five games, the extra games that you guys are forced to play that um, other SEC, this might be the death, that would be the death of the outside Power Five game, I believe. It would be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that would be a logical move. You know, you would mm-hmm. get all all the natural rivals in your conference, especially if you if you if you bring if you bring Clemson in, you bring Louisville in, you bring Georgia Tech in, and you bring Florida State in. You get all of the in-state rivalries. I think, mm-hmm. for, at least for the Eastern Division, because you look at Clemson, South Carolina, right? You look at um, Kentucky, Louisville. You look at Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State. Obviously, you've already got Ole Miss. You already got Ole Miss and uh, and Mississippi State. Unfortunately for LSU, they don't have a counterpart that is that is worthy. I guess you go get Tulane if you really wanted to, but um, they're not really worthy of a SEC slot. Yeah, you talk. They, you they talk. were they were back in 1920, but not, not anymore. Um, so the only teams that would be left without an in-state rival would be Arkansas, Missouri, and uh, Oklahoma. That yeah, and offered. yeah, like I like I told you on um, SEC After Dark, the big winner I think in all this expansion right now is the University of Arkansas. They've struggled to find rivals. Now all of a sudden, Texas is coming into the league. You're going to play Oklahoma every year. They've played Oklahoma 14 times in their history. Neighboring states, Arkansas's damn near on the Oklahoma border, and they've played 14 times against the University of Oklahoma. That's crazy. It's crazy they've been that close and and been in completely different conferences and never even played each other even out of conference. But it's you know they'll they'll get that chance now. Uh, I'm excited for that. I think Arkansas. It's only going to benefit Arkansas, uh, and it's going to benefit some of these smaller teams because they get a bigger footprint and they get more reputation that they can use with uh, recruits. And so you know it can only help. Now yeah. Vanderbilt's just got to get out of its own way. They 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 can't get out of their own way. They can't even. They can't even let the conference help them because they're just so stuck in whatever egregious. I mean, they, they should, st- you know, Vanderbilt should be the team. Speaking of uh, Beast of the East here, they should be the team that sets the standard for all the smart schools around the country. Yes, absolutely. They um, should I've, be that team because yeah. they have all, they're the team with the most resources available to them and they just completely squander them. Yeah, I, I, I had this thing. Whenever they hired James Franklin, they actually lucked into that hire. But an identity was built. A culture was built. And you saw what Vanderbilt could be. And then after he went to Penn State, all of a sudden Vanderbilt was looking around and they were like, okay, 
uh, Stanford had success. Let's do what Stanford's doing. And that obviously didn't work with Derek Mason because what works in the Pac-10, Pac-12 is not really going to be counted on to work in the SEC. So my theory is Vanderbilt should have an idea. They should know what they want. They should go get what they want that fits their needs, whether that's a head coach, an offensive coordinator, or a freaking wide receiver coach. If he can do what you want to do and build your way and establish an identity and recruit the Dickens, uh, Vanderbilt has never um, signed like a top 100 player. They so, did once, I think, with Jawan Williams. Yeah. Okay. Hey, but – you got to find that system, what you're doing, that fits a niche that's a little bit outside of what everybody else is doing. That's going to allow you to recruit at a higher level and find players that fit what you want to do. You know, the the, the smart school that I'm most impressed with is Northwestern because they they do the most with, I don't want to say the least, but like when you look at their Big Ten counterparts, they really don't have the resources but whatever resources they have, they pump into their system, right? They just built a new $300 million football facility on the, on the, on the heels of their most recent success. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald has been a fixture in that program. He bleeds purple and black. Um, and, and, and they've made improvements to their stadium. I mean, they, they've really kind of embraced that, Hey, we can be really good academically and capital all caps. We can have a good athletic program starting mm-hmm. with football. Now Vanderbilt has it with baseball, so I don't know why they don't just buy into all. They used athletes. to have it in basketball. Yeah, they fell off the face of the earth in basketball, yeah. and I, I don't, I don't know. Like their mojo is so down that I don't even know if they can get it back. I don't know if Stackhouse is the right guy either, but um, I, you know they, they've got to, you know, if they can improve their football stadium from that rink-a-dink, uh, erector set high school glorified high school stadium, there's there's high school stadiums in Georgia that are nicer than that. I didn't want to say Texas because like half of the state is nicer than Vanderbilt stadium, but you know, they're making those, they're making renovations to the athletic facilities. Finally, the McGugan center. I think they're finally renovating that thing. Um, after I, I've uh, been embedded there on a signing day with Jay under <laughs> on a James Franklin class. Um, yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah. Moment by moment. I think that was the, like the Robert Kimbedici, um mm-hmm. year at Ole Miss. Yeah. So like they and it is they get forty five million dollars from the SEC network. So it's not like they're strapped for cash, you know. Mm. Um, so and then they get whatever bowl money is distributed. They get and God forbid they go to a bowl, they get, you know, extra money from that. They get I mean, they get all kind of stuff like there's no excuse for Vanderbilt not to not to lead the way. But to me, I I think they hired the right guy. I really like what Clark Lee's doing. I really liked what he did at media days and just listening to him speak outside of that and just kind of watching some of his moves from afar. I, I do think he's doing the right thing. I, I, I do think Vanderbilt finally found their, maybe their next James Franklin. He's barking up some trees, trying to get support and try to get money within that program and try to get these uh, higher up administrators to actually do something. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, it's always a hard road. A hard road to hoe um, at Vanderbilt whenever it comes to precious SEC TV dollars because they will absolutely take that money invested into the university, which other schools will not do. There's yeah. money for the athletic, self-sustaining for the athletic. Some schools like give money back, but Vanderbilt will actually, okay, we're going to take this off the top and y'all can have what's left. 
Yeah. See, the, the it, it works the other way around with everybody else. Like, I guarantee you at Alabama, they funded campus buildings through football. Hmm. Georgia, I know Georgia has. Georgia has definitely done that. Um, and Georgia used to, uh, with uh, President Adams, used to do a little skimming off the top of athletics and saying, here, take the rest. But, and that's why Mark Richt had to pay assistance out of his own pocket uh, for bonuses because sometimes that would, you know, that would get in the way. But uh, Vanderbilt, there's, there's just really no excuse. Like, come on, if you invest in your football program, I guarantee you, and, and you can look at a million different universities, especially some of the private ones, athletic success will boost enrollment. Look at the University of Miami in the 70s. It was sparsely populated down there in Coral Gables. Nobody wanted to go to school there. It was just this little private school that was too expensive. And, you know, it really wasn't that cool. It was kind of uppity. Then all of a sudden in 1984, they win the national championship and enrolled at like triples. You think there's yeah. a correlation there? Like people mm-hmm. want to go to people not only want to have good academics, but they want to go to a good environment too. Like, uh, you know, I want that whole college experience as a student. Like I want to be able to go to a football game and know that we're going to be competitive. We're not going to get the crap beat out of us every week. Um, And, and and know that we have a viable product out there or know that we're working towards that. And, you know, know that I could go to a basketball game and and it'd be a, and it'd be a great environment and and a raucous crowd and and a fun, fun event to go to. And, and, And baseball already is that. Why can't football, basketball be that way? Why can't women's basketball be that way? Why can't, you know, why can't tennis be be a fun experience for them? Why can't gymnastics be good? Why can't, you know, why can't their athletic department be good? Why? Because they just hired an AD for the first time. Mm-hmm. And like they had an AD and then they went on like a eight-year hiatus without an AD. And now they're back in the AD game. So who knows? Maybe they're making improvements, but um as you see on the agenda, we, we've gotten really far away from that agenda. So yeah, far. seriously. Um, we have uh, <laughs> ADD radio here, but that's okay. Uh, we are the Beast of the East, uh, presented by betonline.ag. Uh, pinch hitting for Craig Ladd is, uh, is Steve Willis, the owner of Willis Digital Media. You find him on the Palmcast each and every day. You can also find the two of us uh, and going to be joined by a third host soon on SEC After Dark. You can see us cheersing our beer. Um, I've got a, I've essentially due to a bunch of leftover beer that friends bring over. I've got a variety pack in my fridge. So it's like a grab nice. bag. Like you never know. Like, I don't know what I'm going to get uh, night in and night out. So um, that's pretty cool. That's pretty fun. But um, so let, let's, let's get into some, uh, you know, it, it's camps getting ready to fire up. A lot of these, a lot of these teams are doing like team building competition stuff, like fun, like, Watermelon pie eating contest, water balloon fights, water gun fights, races. Kirby's back. Kirby's trying to jump off the high dive, which uh, Mark Richt has forever cemented the uh, the 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 backflip off the high dive. Uh, Kirby just jumped, so he's got a ways to go on that. You know, uh, we're in that phase of uh, of preseason, so you know camp is camp is uh, coming soon. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk Tennessee. Um, I wanted to talk. These are three of the most intriguing teams in the in the Eastern Division uh, because I think they have a chance. Now, South Carolina and Tennessee are two uh, teams that are rebuilding. Kentucky's a team that could contend and 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 push uh, push Georgia and push Missouri and push Florida for uh, for the upper echelon of this division. So we'll start with Tennessee. Tennessee is the most intriguing to me because 
really it's style of play, Steve, uh, that, that I think is going to separate them from South Carolina. Um, because with the way they play on offense, you don't really need a bunch of four and five star talent, right? You, you just have to have guys that are willing to play fast and, and, and make few mistakes. Mississippi state showed that they, they were actually a viable team late in the late in the season last season. Uh, and they were extremely young inexperienced, brand new quarterback <clears throat> came in halfway through the year for, for KJ Costello and, and really just improved week in and week out. And, and for Tennessee, that's all Josh Heupel needs. The magic number is six, get mm-hmm. to six wins. You're probably coach of the year because that, that roster is absolutely decimated. I think everyone transferred uh, away, you know, most notably used both your running backs, Ty Chandler to the Tar Heels and Eric Gray to, to Oklahoma. So um, what do you like when you look at this team, Steve, like what, what stands out to you? Obviously the quarterback battle has got to be something that stands out, but you know, when you look at this Tennessee team, what are your expectations? What stands out? What, what do you notice? My expectations is they are going to look a little bit like Ole Miss did last year. Defensively, they're going to struggle a bit. Offensively, they're going to be exciting, even if it isn't the finished product. It's not going to be, it's not going to look like it will three years down the road. This is going to be the introductory install of this. And with Hayden Hooker, the offense could look different. Harrison Bailey, um, the offense could look different. Um, Milton, the offense could look there. There's three different ways the offense could look because Josh Heupel runs a version of the Baylor system that Kendall Bryles does, that Lane Kiffin does. There's a lot of hitches on the outside. It's very quarterback friendly. It's going to be about one-on-one matchups. So they're going to score a ton of points because they're an SEC team and can get SEC athletes. But defensively, I don't I don't know how much they're going to be able to stop who they're playing. No, they're not. Um, they're going to have to get in shootouts, uh, honestly. And and that's kind of what you expect anyway from, from this team because style of play, they don't have much on defense. And you lose Henry 202 on the, on the defensive side of the ball. It, it's going to be rough, but, you know, they're going to score their fair share of points. It's not going to – and that's why it's not going to translate into to a ton of wins. <clears throat> Like some of this, some of the talent they do have uh, could get them to could get them to seven, possibly eight wins. But defensively, it's 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 going to be it's going to be a challenge. Um, it's going to be a challenge. And you know, when you when you look defensively, when you look at personnel, it's bare. It's real bare, uh, especially the linebacking core. They were, I mean, they were hardest hit. Two o two going to Bama. Um, Quavarius Crouch, I think I spelled, I think I pronounced that right. He's at Michigan State. DeAndre Johnson, he uh, he he pulled a LeBron and took his talents to South Beach. Uh, so, you know, you lose those three, that's 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 pretty hard hit there. Uh, but they were able to get Jawan Mitchell from Texas, uh, former or a fellow in-state uh, team. Now they got uh, Jeremy Banks already. He's their returning linebacker. Listen to this. The team's top returning linebacker comes in with 28 tackles. Yeah, that's pretty tough. 28 tackles, so that's that's brutal. Um, but uh, they, uh, you know, man, I, I can't get over that. But you know, they're you know like Ole Miss. You know, they're they're sitting there like Ole Miss. They can they can only go up, right? Mm-hmm. They can only get better. 
And they probably will. They'll be tough, but they'll be a feast or famine defense once they get tired. You know, they'll be hell for the first quarter and a half, and then their defense will get tired, and you'll be able to score at will. That's going to be their problem. Um, so they're going to have to find some balance offensively. They're going to have to find a way to control the ball, uh, sustain some long drives, don't be quite as explosive uh, offensively. But um, there isn't a path to a bowl game not going 4 0 in the non conference. Looking at their schedule, mm-hmm. they play Pitt. They got a home game against Pitt September yeah. 11th. And then they have to sweep South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Which uh, I think they, they can do. They can, they, they can probably do that. But there's there's not really a path for them to get to a bowl game without um, going 4-0 in the non-conference, which makes the seminal game of this season for them that Pittsburgh game on September 11th. Yeah, so you get Bowling Green, Pitt, then you get Tennessee Tech. Um, then you're at Florida, which, I mean, we're not sure about Florida, Steve. Yeah, but so, the prob- problem is Tennessee can't ever seem to beat Florida. It doesn't matter what they have. That's true. <laughs> um, th- then they're at Missouri. That's a tough one. So South Carolina, then home against Ole Miss. Um then at Alabama, that's a that's a tough two game stretch there. Um, then October thirtieth against Open, that's a really hard game. Um, Georgia seemed to struggle with that one some years. Uh, then they're at Kentucky, the the grocery bag that could you know depending on where Kentucky is, that could be a tricky game uh, for Kentucky because you never know what kind of state of mind they're going to be in. Then they host Georgia on November thirteenth, which is just so weird to see Georgia so late in their schedule um, because that's the week that Georgia usually plays Auburn. So uh, then South Alabama and then Vanderbilt. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six. So yeah, I mean, they had the year you're right, Mm -hmm. but you know, maybe maybe they get an upset here somewhere. Um, You know, maybe they win the SEC championship game on December 4th. No, just kidding. That ain't happening. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) it's, it's a tough road for Tennessee. They're going to struggle to get to six wins and, and that's okay. Tennessee is, this is a build guys. This is a build. If Tennessee gets five or six wins, that is a big deal because Mm -hmm. this roster is a three win at best roster. Yeah, with name, um, one-time transfer coming in, name, image, and likeness, and the NCAA troubles that they got into last year, because we still have to deal with that. Maybe the NCAA is going to implode and not exist. But, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll probably get lucky on that. <laughs> yeah, um, um, handing out cash in McDonald's bags, that's that's a pretty serious allegation. So, But they lost tons of players off the team that went there, I guess, for Jeremy Pruitt. I don't yeah. know why. Jeremy Pruitt's a guy you'd go to if he was coaching a football team in 1996, um, but not in 2020. And you just I, have a, yeah, you just have a system problem building up on top of everything else, where you're going to be asked to do something different than you recruited to be able to do. Exactly, and and I think Hype will be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, he came in late and. Uh, He's still playing catch up. But speaking of recruiting, uh, by the way, I think Harrison Bailey should win the quarterback job. Probably won't, but I think he should. But speaking of recruiting, Steve, uh, they got a commitment, their highest rated commitment from uh, the 2022 class, according to uh, 24 7. 
he is the number 107th prospect in the country, offensive lineman Addison Nichols from uh, North Cross, Georgia. He is a Tennessee commit, so that is a big deal. They got an offensive lineman. They're building up front. So I'm, I'm is that's North Cross near Atlanta? It is. Um, it's Metro Atlanta. It is in Gwinnett County. Okay, Tennessee has never been good when they haven't done extremely well in Atlanta. So that will that will be a Nostradamus-like projection. If they're doing well in the Atlanta area, you will see Tennessee become back. Um, until they can get good at that again, they're going to struggle. Well, the last time they were really good in Atlanta recruiting, they had Rodney Gardner on staff. Mm. Guess who's on staff? Oh, is Rodney Gardner Tennessee? He is back in Knoxville. Okay. So um, no surprise that – he comes back and they get a big offensive lineman from Norcross. So there you go. And uh, there was another uh, prospect that is now um, that is now back on their radar uh, at defensive back. He's a corner. Uh, he decommitted from Kentucky, Jeremiah Caldwell. Um, he is actually a Michigan prospect, but he is uh, he was committed to Kentucky. He is now decommitted. Respect my decision. Uh, and uh, he's back in it. And Tennessee is looking uh, – they're looking really good in this uh, – they're looking really good, really good for in, in, the, in the running for this kid, Jeremiah Caldwell. So some things are and, – and then they get Walter Nolan. So, you know, some things – some big things are happening. And really lately, quite literally, big things are happening uh, for Tennessee recruiting. So you can already see that – you know, they're not a team that's just going to lie around in the weeds. They're, they're, they're making moves, and that's good for Hypel. And I think that's promising. Recruits are going to see, okay, well, Walter Nolan's going there, so there's got to be something good about Tennessee. Yeah, they suck right now on the field, but, hey, if I come, you come, we can make a difference. And there you go. So, but that's, uh, that's Tennessee. I think they're interesting. They are a team that is definitely on the rise. There's some good things happening there. Um, as a Georgia fan, I hate it, but as an SEC fan, I like it, and I know a lot of my friends would like it as well. So. The SEC is absolutely better when Tennessee is good at football, period. Yes. So Tennessee quit being a softball school and, and join join the sport of football. So, um, well, what about uh, what about Steve Spurrier? And oh wait, no, he's not there anymore. Uh, so, what about the Gamecocks? Um, I'm very curious to know what they're going to look like because they're the team that fell into the trap of going from the spread to the ground and pound old man football. And now what are they going to do? You've worked, you've transformed the, um, basically the roster over last year. You're transforming again this year. What is that going to look like? It's gotten so many coaches fired over the years and the same thing happened to, um, Will Muschamp at, at South Carolina is just the changeover goings like, oh, Tuberville at Auburn um, did the same thing. Gene Chizik at Auburn did the same thing. You either go to a spread to a power scheme or a power scheme to a spread as almost like an emergency. It's like, hey, 
football's changing. We need to change, but we don't have the guys to do it. And all of a sudden you throw a three and eight up on the board and it ends up costing you your job. Now, Shane Beamer, I don't, you know, he's not in any danger of that, but the production is in danger of mirroring that. Luke Doty is a great quarterback. He's a great runner. I don't know what he is throwing the football uh, whenever he steps on there. Are they going to run a similar system to what was ran at Oklahoma, or are they going to do something similar to what Mike Bobo did last year? I I just don't know. There's so many question marks with this team. The only thing I know for sure is they're recruiting really, really well. Yeah, that that's the thing you can point to, and and that's something that Shane Beamer's been really good at. Like uh, everywhere he's been, he's been a pretty good recruiter. So. Um, you got to think that they're coming back soon. This is not the year for them, though. They, their roster looks like doo-doo, right? Outside of Kevin Harris and maybe Nick Muse, they got nothing, man. They, they, got, a tra- they got a Georgia Tech transfer, Marion Brown, um, Xavier Leggett, uh, John, John Leggett's brother. Yeah. Uh, they, shout, they, out uh, shout out to John Leggett. They, I, who, who's going to be the quarterback, right? Luke Doty. Mm. Or is it going to be Colton? Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Gaultier. Gaultier. He, uh, yeah. One thing for certain, nobody knows. He was picked out with um, Luke Altmeyer as one of the two principals on, to be recruited by the Ole Miss staff. So if Lane Kiffin was looking at him, the kid can play. But he is yeah. going to be a true freshman. And like I said, show me the offense and what they're doing, and I'll tell you if he's going to be able to be successful. Yeah. Now, now they're a team you want to get early because. They still got a bunch of two and eight in them right now. And they, their best weapon is now in the NFL. Shy Smith. They're all their best defenders are in the NFL. Uh, One of which got picked early in the first round by, I think Denver. Was it Denver? I can't remember. It was like late, late top 10. So this team. Yeah, you're right. I have no idea what they're going to do. And I also, when I watch the when I watch South Carolina play on a couple of occasions, um, a the Vanderbilt South Carolina game might have been the most pitiful looking football game all around on both sides that I've ever seen, ever. Um, it was pitiful to watch. Uh, South Carolina Georgia, pitiful to watch. Like, it was like it was like if Alabama went in to um, the worst Division three school in America and played a game. Like that's what it looked like. That's how non-competitive South Carolina was in that game. It was brutal to watch. Like they, that team had just shut it down. That team quit, and you know it's just they quit well before Bobo took over as interim coach. They, they, they were just done. But you know Shane Beamer, Steve, we weren't doing shows back then. But I remember, I remember when Shane Beamer got hired, I kind of scratched my head because there was a lot of candidates out there that I thought was a better fit. And there was one I thought in their own state that was a better fit up at Epic coastal Carolina and Jamie Chadwell. And they go after Shane Beamer. And I thought it was a reach. What were your, like, what were your initial thoughts when, when, when Shane Beamer got the job? It was them trying to save money on a coach. They didn't want to get it. They didn't have the money to get into the spending war because of all the COVID stuff and everything going on. So they settled on the hire with who they could get. I, I absolutely agree with Jamie Chadwell. Uh, 
that offense is just niche enough to where you can recruit a different type of player. You're not going to be recruiting some of the same stuff, and you have a chance just to build and really just all kinds of firepower, which they're doing up at Coastal right now. But I I don't know why – oh, I can't remember his name. The coach at Louisiana. I don't know why he's not at South Carolina right now. Billy Napier? Yeah, I don't know why Billy Napier is still in um, Louisiana whenever he could be in Columbia, South Carolina – basically coaching a SEC team, other than the fact that South Carolina didn't have the money to get him. Is he waiting on Bama? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. He's he's got I know he's got a big game coming up um I think against Texas week one. Yeah. God, what if they beat Texas? That'd be hilarious. There's a chance they could beat Texas. It's year they, one of a system switch. There's crazy stuff can happen in the first game. Well they beat Iowa State. Mm-hmm. It's a good team. It is a good team, well coached. Like I said, they should that guy should not be there right now. Yeah, he, so, he should be in the SEC right now. But Shane Beamer did kill it at Media Days, so mm-hmm. I, I was impressed with that. I, he does have charis, he does have charisma. I was going to say charismatic, but not say the attic part of it. You know, like halfway through. Yeah. But um, it is good pedigree. Obviously, his dad is is the father of uh, Virginia Tech football. And uh, so, I mean, he's got that going for him. So, I don't know. You know, you have a defense that has a lot of upside. Um, you don't, don't know. You don't really Beamer's know. Ever been a coordinator? No, he has. He's been a special teams coordinator, I think, once. But like, this is this is the ultimate. Like, you have no clue. Like, you could throw a dart. Like, if you ask, even hell, I bet if you ask Shane Beamer, he would throw a dart at the board and say like, cause he wouldn't know. He would say, who's your best unit. He'd just throw a dart at the board and say, okay, it's linebackers today. Okay. Maybe I'm okay. And then the next day he throws the dart board at tight ends because he just couldn't hit the same spot on the dart board. We don't know what they got. Cause it's a bunch of no name guys, like a bunch of transfers, a bunch of guys that didn't really play much last year. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this group and I don't know what's going on with this team. It's hard to tell. I just know, well, I just think that because they have quarterback issues right now, it's it's unsettled, that my preseason prediction for them, this is going to be a tough year for South Carolina, but they're, they're going to be one of those teams that gets drastically better year two. They're going to finish dead last in the SEC East to me. Because well, at this quick, moment. Real quick, they go to East Carolina. They do go to East Carolina. Road, That's road game. Road game. Road game. So their athletic director said, Hey, we're an SEC team. We will travel to you. Group of five. I'm, I'm surprised they're playing at home against Eastern Illinois. I'm surprised they didn't set that road trip up. Seriously. Um, um, I look at their schedule and it looks like four and eight. It just screams four and eight. Yeah. And they play AM. That's going to be a scary game. Um, Clemson's going to. You know, Clemson's going to destroy it. Like, listen to this schedule to close the close the season. Florida, at Missouri, Auburn, Clemson. At least three of those are at home, but my God, that's brutal. That, that's not a good way to um, end with any semblance of momentum. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lot of 
<clears throat> negative, like that last game against Clemson is going to be the worst too. You're going to come off a, a Auburn team who's going to be red hot at that point on November twentieth. Like that's going to be a bad one. Then you go right into Clemson, who you know you, we know who Clemson is right now. Yeah. So um, things not looking great for South Carolina. But um, lastly, before before we wrap this thing, uh, Kentucky is a team. We had Vinny Hardy on the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. And Kentucky is a team that I really like a lot now um, because they discovered they looked in the rule book and they saw where you are allowed. Get this. You were allowed to throw a forward pass. So Kentucky discovered that finally. Yeah. I, um, their new offensive coordinator, Cohen, I think is his last name. Yeah. Cohen. I, I, you know, he's from the LA Rams school, the Sean McVay school. He's going to do a lot of bootlegs and action off the running backs and stuff that the pro players have plenty of time to drill. I don't know if college players have enough time to do that. So it might look a little bit differently. I know they have a um, big strong arm guy from Penn State um, and another Will, Kentucky Will Will Levis, yeah, Will Levis, and um, and some guy from Kentucky that is, I forget his name, Ralph right that that is one of the saviors of Kentucky football, like Tim Couch and Jared Lorenzen and all them before them that's been recruited there. Um, it'll be interesting to see who wins that job and Joey Gatewood, of course, which is is the Auburn transfer, and this offense is changing away that it might have changed out of his control completely. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, it's a pretty good quarterback lineup there. I, I think it fits what, what Cohen wants to do, uh, which is predicated on the run that they, they have a great they the, the biggest strength for Kentucky is their O-line. So they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit. Uh, they have Chris Rodriguez and Cavassier smoke, which nice might, name might be the, one of the coolest names in the league. Uh, they're going to have to figure out the wide receiver position, but, I mean, for the last three years, they've had to figure out the wide receiver position outside of uh, outside of Lynn Bowden. But um, you know, for Kentucky, damn, my nose is itching like crazy. You know, the loss of Terry Wilson. I think Terry Wilson transferring to New Mexico on a side note might be the most perfect place he could go because they run triple option, like gun triple option there. Mm-hmm. And that might be the most perfect place for him to go. That's a sidebar conversation, but. Um, you know, the, the O-line will be good. They'll get plenty of protection. They'll be able to run the ball, so play action will be good. The boot, the bootleg game will be good. Their defense will will, will be adequate enough. And, and, and Mark Stoops, I was about to say Bob, Mark Stoops is good enough at, at scheming defensively that he's going to get those guys playing hard and, and, and in the right place. So I, I'm excited about what Liam Cohen can do. I've heard nothing but good things. Obviously, Sean McVay, could, you could say it's a bit of a political move, um, in, you know, in a sports context type of thing. But he did go out of his way, I feel like, to compliment Liam Cohen. So that's got to, you know, usually NFL coaches don't speak up on their assistants leaving. But usually they have some canned answer like, yeah, he's good. He'll be a great fit for their program and stuff like that. But, you know, McVay was like gushing over him and, you know, saying that, you know, it's, it's really good. And yeah, but when the camera's on and um, McVeigh's talking, he's going to put on a little bit of a show. Yeah, and, um, and so and some of that's a little showmanship. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I do agree with you there. 
So, but yeah, I mean, you you look at this team, you know, they've got some pieces. They've got some pretty nice pieces. And I'm not saying they're gonna they're gonna win the East this year or anything like that. Um, at one point, I had them finishing second. I'm, you know, I, I may stand by that. I, I may just by default have Florida finishing second. You'll have to find out uh, when we do when we do our uh, our Eastern Conference standings predictions on Beast of the East. So um, it's a surprise. But you know what you know, we need to do sometime in August, and this is a little bit of all the channel stuff, Brent. Is just get all the hosts on one thing. I think Jake Thomas had this idea and just do a roundtable about previewing the SEC sometime around like August 17th or something. Um, and you just have five or six people on the screen and you're going yes. back and forth just talking ball. I think that'd be a lot of fun. That, that would be awesome. We need to make that happen. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think but, that'd be a good idea. Let's do it for, let's do it for SEC after dark. Until yeah, it would have to be an SEC here. after dark because I'm not going to um, step on the beast on the east, beast of the east, or the best of the west. So it would have to be the SEC after dark, and we can just have everybody in. Once by then, maybe Jeb will be moved in. Um, y'all, you all, you guys will get to meet Jeb Beecham, and we can talk a little SEC football, and it should be a lot of fun, honestly. And we will truly be for the fan, by the fan, mm-hmm. and and of the fan. Is that what your podcast motto is? Yes. Did I get that right? So yeah, I changed yeah. the intro. Did you see that? I did. It's nice. Yeah. You're making that some was on the podcast. Everybody that's listening to this. Yeah, podcast. <laughs> so if you're if you're listening to, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you should come over here and get. You should be a well-rounded SEC fan. Like I feel like all SEC fans should be well-rounded. I know. I know you have everyone has their niche, but like mm-hmm. I, I, I would implore that everyone, because honestly. You know, I, I say that I hate Tennessee. I say that I hate Florida. But if you give me a chance to watch Florida, Tennessee versus watching like Ohio State and Michigan State, I mean, hey, so you say State Ohio football. State and Michigan. Yeah, Ohio State, oh. Michigan, or the Red yeah. River. Well, the Red River Shootout will soon be an SEC yeah, game. So that, 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 that's getting a rebrand. I know. <laughs> That's getting a rebrand. So that's you know, obviously they realize, man, we're not as good as the SEC product. Like I will watch an SEC game. I don't care who it is. Even if it's Florida, I will watch Florida. Even if it's for the sole purpose of making fun of Florida. Sorry, Florida fans. That just that's just the way it is. Um, I will do it. Like I appreciate SEC football. So mm-hmm. I think you should be well rounded as an SEC fan. I'm not saying you should go and buy. You know, if you're an old Miss fan, go buy a Mississippi State hat. Um, and and I'm not going out of my way to listen to like niche podcasts, like uh, niche uh, niche podcasts, like the Florida Gators podcast or South Carolina specific. But if there's like an overall SEC show, kind of kind of like what we do with SEC After Dark, or you know, kind of like this show or uh, Best of the West. If you're in case you're listening, taking notes, um, I would definitely jump on that stuff. Right, because I I love hearing stories. I love hearing about and breaking down SEC football, and I think it's obviously it's the best. It, it's it's for the best. It's of the best, and we should talk about the best. And you should want to be the best. And if you want to be the best, you got to be in this conference. You got to be a fan of this conference. So, Ole Miss fans that are listening, don't be afraid to check us out on SEC After Dark. Don't be afraid to check out even if even if it's just for a minute. 
just subscribe to my channel, Believe in Dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you don't want to listen, I don't care if you want to listen. I've subscribed subscribe. to that channel. You have, Steve. And mm-hmm. I've subscribed to the Palmcast. Mm-hmm. And I listen to the Palmcast every day. And I'm not an Ole Miss hater, but I wouldn't consider myself an Ole Miss fan by any stretch either. But I like a lot of things that w- that Ole Miss does. I learned a lot about Lane Kiffin's style by doing boot camp. So uh, boot camp, the offense, one of the original Palmcast shows, just so you know. Um, so I, I, I think you should I think you should subscribe. I think you should I think you should do it. Pull the trigger. Right. So yeah, I, I think we have um, in our little circle doing this right now. We have three high school coaches. We have two fans. Wait, who else and, is high school coaches? Um, isn't Craig a high, former high school coach? He's not a coach. He's like a – he's dabbled a little bit. He's been more of like a reporter, statistician, okay, spotter, okay. radio guy. Yeah. So Kevin Bohannon is the other high school coach. Where does he coach? Um, over in Arkansas somewhere. I don't know the exact high school. Then we have me who, uh, you know, me and you, we did rivals, national media, and I, we worked the admin. Um, good grief, yeah. you have a nice, well-balanced thing with high school coach, rivals, and working admin at the school. That's pretty good. And then you have true fans that just want to just want to be a part of this. So it's really cool. It's a nice, well-rounded view um, of several perspectives. I mean, we're talking about Tennessee, South Carolina, and Kentucky tonight. I mean, you you haven't paid attention to that. Now you can learn a little bit about these guys and get ready for the football season because this football season is going to be fun. It it just it's is be crazy. Yeah, it, it, I mean, from all the way down, like it's not this season. It's going to come up probably maybe next season or the one after that. First Texas Texas A and M game is. That'll probably be the second or third most want to watch games of the year for me, and I'm an Ole Miss fan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I mean, it's gonna be nuts. I it, the, that's definitely going to be CBS. That, that may be one of those like CB, well, CBS doesn't have the SEC anymore, do they? Um, <laughs> no more Vern Lundquist going, "Wow, Tim Tebow," and Gary going, "Tebow's not playing today. We're, we're doing uh, we're doing A and M versus Ole Miss." Oh. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and my Believe in Georgia Dog show is, you know, another high school coach down in mm-hmm. South Georgia. So we bring that perspective. And he's a former player, too. So, you know, we, we, we balance each other out. We were both uh, we were both inside of the Butts Mirror building and in, uh, in Athens. I was a staffer. He was a player. We both coach high school football. So our parallels are uncanny. Craig and I worked together at Hillwood. He 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 ran stats for us, um, and he was kind of our you know analytics guy. I was up in the booth with him, and I would always look over and see you know kind of who's doing what and tendencies and things like. That. He kept pretty pretty good stats. I wish he'd come back. Um, and then you know you and I were were we sat this close at rivals. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, we we were shoulder buddies. I guess you should say, um, and, and that was that was a lot of fun. It was like. Like, I wish people could see our setups, man. It was crazy. We each had TVs with direct TV at our desk and we just watch and we'd have like, at one point we'd have, and this was before soccer was cool in America, but we'd have like, each of us would have a soccer game on at our desk and 
it would be a different one. And we'd root for different teams. You're a Spurs fan. I, I latched on to Everton due to Tim Howard, but that's kind of waning now. I, 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 th- I think I might latch on to Chelsea because Kristen Pulisic, um, Tom was a Arsenal fan. Uh, Poor Tom. And, John, and John was a fan of just whoever would piss you or me off. And yeah, it, uh, yeah it was pretty great. And, and so we had a good dynamic there. And, and, you know, Chris Childers, uh, who is now of Sirius XM fame, you know, We'd be messing with each other, uh, talking smack, you know, in, in, in the same room and, you know, all kind of stuff, all kind of shenanigans uh, that you could think of, any scenario that you could think of. That was that when you talk about a fun experience, that was, you know, the rivalry we had with the pit crew, uh, the pink, the battles at the ping pong table. Uh, battles on the golf course, battles on the all foosball kind of table, yeah, foosball table, man, it was crazy, and two, you know, the two-hour lunches. <laughs> hey, hey, Corey, finish all your prospects before lunch so we can go on a two-hour two-hour excursion, and then and, and we did. So, speaking of this, what do you think of on three sports? It's intriguing. Uh, Jake Roos of uh, UGA Sports jumped over. Uh, Justin Hokinson jumped over to the Auburn site. Uh, Shannon is obviously calling on some old reliables from from the Rivals Network, so it can only work from there. Um, yeah. I, I haven't really cruised there. around on it. Huh? Huguenin's over there. Huguenin, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Huguenin. Uh, wow, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah. Um. And it's it's interesting, man. It I haven't I haven't really ventured and looked at all other content, but the the people they're assembling is outstanding. Yeah, it's kind of impressive. I just think this market has shown over and over that only two major services will be sustained. There's only an audience for two services. So whenever a third one comes in, you're obviously looking to try and figure out which one. So so who is the gazelle with the lame leg? That they're that's going to pull a scout from you know five years ago, and uh, and things I've heard about rivals is that they might be that gazelle. It, it's possible. I, I think twenty four seven. You know, they built that up. We used to make jokes about it all the time, but they built up a heck of a product, and they became just so they became the three hundred pound gorilla, and rivals spent so much time just trying to survive. That now, I mean, it, it's an untenable position for somebody. It there's a chance rivals could fall down, and that makes me sad because rivals was kind of the OG when it comes to recruiting. Well, but yeah, it, when they were independently yeah. owned, obviously Shannon Terry built that thing and mm-hmm. sold it to Yahoo, and Yahoo just took it and fumbled it big time. You know, yeah, they, they let go of now. Yeah, they let go of so much talent over there. And just brought in people like when the analysts when the analysts went away from being football people mm. to journalists, that's when it started going downhill. Now now Mike Farrell's one of my favorite people, but like they just it's gotta be frustrating because now he's not a recruiting analyst anymore. He's a he's a national contributor, so he covers all different kinds of sports, which is definitely not his sh- well, it's a strong suit because he's he's really good, but definitely not where he wants to be. I mean, he's the, I mean, he's the guy. He's the goat of of high school recruiting, and for him, for them to kind of take that away from him, kind of reorganize, you know, they they stripped it down. 
I remember at one point, right when we were there, they stripped it down to almost like single digit people before they built. And then they built it back up to about 50 and now it's going back down again. And I haven't heard anything from there. They they lost this partnership deal with, with Under Armour, had to settle for Adidas, which Adidas is a good company, but it's not Under Armour. Um, they, they they lost the Army game. Probably, well, they lost the Under Armour game too. Um, the five-star challenge isn't what it used to be. The Rivals mm-hmm. Camp Series isn't what it used to be. Um, and, and the leadership over there has just and, – and I don't think it's at the fault of, of the people – that are in charge at the rivals level. I think it's at the fault of the people who are in charge at the Yahoo level. And if Yahoo, Yahoo just Verizon. needs to sell it. Verizon. I don't know. I can't yeah. keep up. Shit. Verizon um, owns it now. Yeah. So Verizon, whoever owns it, they've got well, this, this like what? 12 CEOs since, since we were there. It's crazy. And we have a new CEO. And then three months later, we have another new CEO and we have another new uh, Yahoo manager. I mean, we probably, uh, you know, our, our contact list of Yahoo managers is probably outstanding, astonishingly long. And poor Greg Latke, that that dude, they're overworking him, man. Overworking well, they've been underpaid. overworking him for five or six years at this point. Yeah, it's over, you know, when, when they let me go, it was, I mean, he was already overworked and then they let me go. I was helping him out a little bit. And man, it's crazy. So I'm afraid, I'm afraid Rivals is that gazelle which kind of sucks because I have a free sub to UJ sports, but some of these team sites are awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Like well, the team Pullman. sites, the team sites are going to usually find homes yeah. because that's just the way it works. Whenever scout went down, the Ole Miss spirit went over to two, four, seven, and they just merged those two staffs. Yeah. Um, because that brand is going to be able to come around because that's what you want. But nationally, that's going to be a problem. That's where it's going to, affect things like way back when when eric winter was in charge of um rivals shout out to eric yeah um he felt like um the orlando under armor game was where we needed to be so he threw away the um army all-american game 247 swooped that up and made it their own which is good for them but um under armor it wasn't really the same type of partnership we were just kind of and they're like everybody else. It was kind of like a bullpen scenario. And after a while, that equal was able to spread out and 24-7 had their thing and became the dominant force in recruiting. And a lot of that was because of that move for us to give up the Army game and go to Orlando because, honestly, he liked to go to Orlando. Mm-hmm. He didn't like going to San Antonio. San Antonio's all. A lot of fun. I loved going to those Army Bowls. I remember that the the my first year that I went was the last year that we had all access. Like that was our game, and we had first rights to it. And now we don't. Now it's two. Mm-hmm. Now it's twenty four seven, and it, and it's it's a shame. Like I remember seeing Derrick Henry. That that was that year. Okay. Derrick Henry up close was the biggest human being, one of the biggest human beings that wasn't an offensive lineman that, that I'd ever seen. He was a, he was high school age and he was enormous. I, you know, so it, it was, that was a lot of fun. That was a great game. That was a great experience. Just everything that we were able to do from the combine to the practices, being up close and personal in the practices and being able to kind of have free reign to do what we wanted. Uh, there was, was awesome. 
um, being able to have free reign at the game, walk around on the sidelines, get random shots, be on the field, be all be in the mix was unbelievable. And yeah. to, to lose all of that is just detrimental. And, you know, for what? A, a, a deal that we thought we had with Under Armour? Yeah. Um, and, you know, people make mistakes and people, you know, I, I, I guarantee you Eric probably didn't realize that this Under Armour thing wasn't going to go quite the way he thought it was going to. So who knows? But yeah, what I, what I do suck, know, what, what, what I do know is that if rivals ever got the right investor, they still have the name recognition that they could bounce right on back and they could overtake both of these if they had the right person. So Steve, what you need to do, you need to go knock over a bank, you need to buy rivals and you and I will take over. Okay. We'll get the band back together and uh, we'll have a pit crew with crystal eating contest and push-up contest and stuff, foosball table, all that good stuff. So we'll go get broom out um out of the closet doing pharmacy stuff. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> broom. <laughs> uh, what was the name of the girl that used to do the rivals minute? Uh it was uh, Ashley Russell. Ashley Russell, yeah. Yeah. Every now and then I'd fill in for you doing the Yahoo Sports Minute and all that. It, oh God! That yeah. that was really God. the beginning of what became this podcast thing because, like Shannon Terry, one of his big things is the multimedia brand. So we would do the Yahoo Sports Minute and the Rivals Minute. Now, then it morphed into it twenty four seven the thing that um, Josh Pate is doing with Late Kick, and now they're setting up on on three like an interview type. Um, situation with the studio and I'm kind of really curious of what they're going to develop there. Yeah. It, it, it can only be, you know, obviously the same model sanitary knows what works, knows what consumers want. And it sounds like he's up on the trends. Like everybody wants this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what if we become the, uh, the, the beast of the East presented by on three. I'll take it, do it. Take it. Let's go. Shannon, if you're yeah. listening, come on. Yeah. We played flag football together for, for a minute in yeah, the rivals flag football league, right? So Yeah, I did it with a brain tumor. I mean, come on. You, you did. Mm. Damn right you did. So um, but that, you know, honestly, Steve, that that that's a good stopping point for us. Um, you know, obviously we covered the the big three down there, but um this show was you know, it's a lot of fun to just kind of sit back and just chat and reminisce and, and do you know, do a lot of this stuff. I, I think it's fun, especially this time of year where like the storylines are kind of scarce. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be interesting to see. And, and, and of course, you know, any, anytime we can incorporate old stories from, from the rivals.com days, that's always, always amazing. So um, I got one last story, actually. Um, have you ever heard of stacking plates as being offensive? Stacking plates as being yeah, offensive. like like when like when you're done eating at a restaurant and like you stack the plates in in the middle to hand to the waiter. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever thought of that as being at all no. the cotillion and all the cotillion classes that you've taken? Has that ever been offended? Has that no. ever been offending somebody or offensive? Not even or, a little bit. God, I can't talk. The English language is escaping me today. Um, so apparently, it is. Okay, tell. Give yeah, me the explanation. So, <laughs> all right, we're in Baltimore, and we're at Morton Steakhouse, and uh, I won't I won't throw out her name. Um, she's pretty cool, other than this moment where I was just baffled 
Um, but it's uh, somebody who left for uh, the NFL. And uh, she she is a uh, content manager, producer, or something like that over over for NFL. But um, we're at Morton Steakhouse. We're having our uh, our our infamous Eric Winter team dinners after you know the day the the night after that would probably event. cost four thousand dollars. The man went just through crazy amounts of money. Go ahead. Yeah, so we're having one of those one of those team dinners, right? And it wasn't offensive that Josh Hemholt got me to gnaw the bone of a bone in ribeye, like. You know, gnaw the meat off the bone. Right. Like after I cut most of it off, that did not offend her. Right. That Josh Hemholt and I ate off the bone. Right. What offended her was I stacked the plates and I handed them to the waiter. And she looked at me like I had just, she looked at me with such disgust. And I was like, I kind of looked at her. She's like, Ugh. What did I do? Are you serious right now? I guess. You're stacking plates? Like, yeah, I was handing them to the waiter so he could take them. That's, uh, you just don't guess. This is so rude. Uh, rude? I, I was flabbergasted, perplexed, whatever, whatever you want to say. Different strokes, man. Different strokes. Yep. 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 That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, Bel Air for you. So anyway, I digest, but uh, that's going to do it, man. We are the beast of the East podcast uh, filling in for Craig lab is uh, Steve Willis of the Palmcast and of sec after dark. Uh, we're going to see you with a beer in hand uh, on Wednesday night. Um, but you can, in the meantime, listen to this show, uh, find us anywhere you find uh, your podcast, uh, Google, Apple Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. I can't uh, I can't list them all because I'd be here all, all daggum night. Mm-hmm. Um, you find us right here on YouTube. Uh, you can find my other shows uh, also on the same channel, Believe in Dogs, my main show, and these two shows are linked as well. So go to my go to Believe in Dogs channel. You can find all of the shows that I appear on. Uh, you can find me on Tuesday nights, so tomorrow night, Illegal Motion. Uh, we're not streaming live yet, but we probably should be. Uh, so you can find me there. I cover the entire country. Um, and then, of course, cheers and be- cheers and beers with uh, my man Steve over here on Wednesday nights, and then Thursday nights doing uh, doing the Believe in Georgia Dogs thing. So um, I'm everywhere, man. But this is the Beast of the East. We are on the Believe Podcast Network. We are also uh, coming to you live on the video stream via Willis Digital Media, home of the Palmcast. We are presented by BetOnline.ag. We're also prevent. Uh, presented by uh, Kenny Salas and the, and the hometown team, 615.com. Uh, Keller Williams Realty, they will get you set up in uh, in Wilson County here in Tennessee, uh, maybe even greater Nashville if you ask them, but they are good. They're really good. They'll get you in a house uh, that you want. Um, so for, for Steve, I'm Corey. Uh, this is the BC of the East, and we'll see you back here next week. So long and see you later. Goodbye. We out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.